I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players, acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code ENERGY when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Again, everything I learned from my story, I can use my struggles for the better of my patients. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, we're continuing something different. My great friend, Dr. CJ Clean, asked to interview me so that my audience could get to know me better. This is part two of our conversation. If you haven't yet listened to last week's episode, please check it out first. In this week's episode, you get to hear how I approach my patient cases, my faith walk, how I maintain my health, the non-negotiables in my house, my guilty pleasures when it comes to food, my favorite podcast books, advice to other busy moms, and my future goals. Let's get started. Let's get clinical for a moment. So I've got a case scenario for you. Let's say I'm 30 years old and I've been living in Cedar Rapids my entire life, which for the viewers that are are listening, Cedar Rapids, um, we had a massive flood in downtown in 2008. And then in 2020, we had a land hurricane called the derecho, where our town sustained for over an hour winds at over 100 miles an hour. The town was devastated and wrecked. And, and much of our state was, frankly, um, as this storm rolled through. But um, we've had some patients and some of our providers didn't have electricity for 14 to 16 days. It, it was wild. But I give that context because I know where Stephanie's going to go with either a flooded community or damage from a, a storm with, with water. But so I'm 30 years old. I've been in Cedar Rapids. Um, I have a two-year-old. I'm fatigued, losing my hair. And I'm told that this is normal after baby. I've gained 20 pounds uh, postpartum despite a similar diet and physical activity over the years. My sleep has never been great, but I did have a history of 10 years of being on birth control. Um, I have generalized anxiety and my 
gut seems fine. I have a good marriage and a good, good job. So where do you start? Yeah, I'm just writing some things down here. To echo on that land hurricane, it was devastating. I will say our clinic literally did not have power for seven or eight days. So we had to close. I remember sitting at Hy-Vee, our grocery store, because I was trying to just refill meds on patients because like we didn't have electricity at home. If, if you can't get on the internet, you can't refill scripts. Like it was such a whirlwind. Just, But I did get a week off work. Like, kind of, oh, yeah. I, I believe it. But even in that, to echo you, um, we still have patients and some of the kiddos that have almost a little bit of PTSD. Totally. If they were in that, the car that they were during that. Car. Or yep. Yep. So that's a whole nother, you know, but we'll just pretend this individual yeah, was safe yeah. in her home during the derecho, didn't have any of those yeah. risk factors. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, this is kind of hard because I typically ahead of time will go through the new patient paperwork. So it's a, a very, I think it's like a 10 page questionnaire. So we're asking them everything from like, yes, do you have any trauma like the derecho, whatnot to, were you breastfed? Were you C-section? Have you had a lot of antibiotics through your life? Have you been on birth control? Like you were disclosing with this patient. So Typically, I will have patients fill out this whole questionnaire so I can get a gauge of, do they have a big burden? Have they been exposed to water damage buildings with mold? Do they have metal in their mouth, right? We're running this this full questionnaire. And then by the time I come in and see them, I kind of follow up on that questionnaire, asking them questions and then determine, we always start first appointment with labs and some general supplement and diet recommendations. So for this individual, what did you say she had? So she has hair loss, she's tired. So we definitely want a full thyroid workup, which more than likely she's had a TSH checked, but we would do a full thyroid workup on her to see specifically where her T3 is. I'd also run a comprehensive nutritional analysis on her, right? She had a baby. I don't know if this doesn't say if she was breastfeeding, but if she was breastfeeding, she's donating all that nutritional value to her child. So she may be left nutritionally starved. So there are a lot of causes for hair loss, but one could be stress. Another could be nutritional deficiencies, low thyroid, even mold could cause hair loss. So I'd run a nutritional analysis on her. What else did you say? Well, I'd check her sex hormones for sure. Just a lot of times those can go wonky. And it sounds like, again, she's losing hair. Could that be higher androgens? I would, she's having some anxiety. Could that be low progesterone? I would check sex hormones for sure. We could check. What else did you say? GI seems fine. Well, even though it seems fine, she's having some mental health issues. So the gut may not be fine. So I would still ask how she's eating. And some of my patients are actually eating really pretty clean coming to me. If she wasn't eating clean, I would absolutely get her off processed foods, have her eat real food. And then we could run a food sensitivity test. Sometimes we'll do a stool test as well. I usually start the first appointment with just a few tests. So maybe we would do thyroid hormones, food and nutritional evaluation. That's a great start. We're going to get tons of information from that which can then help guide if we do need to go down the heavy metal path or maybe the yeast path or whatnot. So we just have to start somewhere. So I would definitely run some labs. I mean, we could just keep talking through this case. Um, You kind of brought up the derecho. So yeah, if she's had exposure to water damaged buildings, that could be a huge problem. Though toxins from mold can inhibit weight loss, can cause hair loss, can cause the anxiety. So I... I would definitely explore that. I usually start with some biomarkers in the blood for mold. They're really weird, but TGFA1, C4A, C3A, and if those are abnormal, then I'll do some urine mycotoxin testing on the patient. If she's stressed, we could look at her adrenals, run a cortisol test, whatnot. But I also want her to leave with hope. So while she's waiting for all these tests, whatever they are that we determined to run, right, are um, coming back, I'd probably put her on magnesium because almost everyone's low on magnesium. So I'd put her on some magnesium at night give her some, probably some L-theanine just because I'm biased. I love that L-theanine for her, you know, daily anxiety. And I want her to leave with some basic nutrition. So if she's taking nothing, I'd put her on either mitochondrial complex or a prenatal vitamin, something like that. I also would check her iron and her ferritin because you're going to have hair loss with low iron and ferritin. So that would just be a, a start. 
we can dive deeper if you want, because there could be all kinds of things going on with this patient. But usually we start kind of superficial with those tests. And then if we're not finding something, I tell the patient, guess what? We have to dive deeper, right? We just have to dive deeper. Well, and I wanted to pose the question just so your viewers could listen to the method of your madness unfold (laughs) about all of the different spaces and places of where you wanted to look with just a little bit of history. But that, that case history is so not uncommon, especially with postpartum that it's, it's not earth shattering. And I, I never mean to throw primary care, traditional healthcare under the bus. I, I think sometimes my energy or my, my language does. I mean, it's just, the, the general testing is patients be like, I had all my labs done and they were told that they were fine. And, you know, you're talking about a complete thyroid that we're going to look at the entire thyroid, not just one brain hormone that is supposed to turn on the thyroid, but really filling in the gaps of we look further and deeper. And like you said, you start superficial. It doesn't have to be all of the panels all at once. You start fixing the gut, you're going to start helping fix and rebuild, you know, any thyroid dysfunction in that work and so on and so forth. So I I said that just because I wanted patients to hear how you operate, but also part of your processing. I always joke when I'm referring patients to your clinic, I was like, all right, here's the deal. You need to get the last three years of labs that you've done. And the intake is, is impressive, but it's because Stephanie reviews all of those even before you meet her. So she's got a one page list of questions for you that she wants answered. And she's already got a working game plan somewhat set up in her mind's eye before she meets with you. And then you have the face-to-face dialogue, which nothing changes that face. Like there, It's so hard to put a price point on the value of that face-to-face conversation and dialogue with your patients. But sometimes patients are like, this is going to take me you know, three days to get all this information over. And I'm like, trust me, it's worth it so that she can really honor your time when you are there, that she, she knows you a lot more than you know <laughs> before she's mm-hmm. even met you. Case in point, like yesterday I had a patient who she's been dizzy. I can't even remember all her symptoms, but like I was just looking at her past labs and she has low sodium, right? No one's ever told her she had low sodium. She probably just needs some salt and some electrolytes. She was drinking so much water. She's depleting her, her um, sodium, whatnot. She also, what else? A lot of these patients have like barely, barely within the range B12. So, right. So just by looking at the labs, I can kind of gauge, well, if she's low on B12, she's probably low on a lot of other nutrients. So she's low on sodium, low on B12, borderline anemic, borderline low thyroid, has an ANA that's, you know, slightly positive. All of these things her doctor says you're fine, right, for. But we're, we're seeing all these subtle changes. So then all of these things I'm wanting to improve and follow up on, but so many patients are just told their labs are normal when they actually are cueing us into something is not normal <laughs> in the body that we need to figure out. Well, just those ranges that, you know, that the labs give us, it's like, well, you're not diagnosable or clinically feeling crappy enough yet, mm-hmm. but just how you can, you know, like iron, that range for iron is, what is it? Is it like 30 to 151? And it's like, even just a further question for the females, like, did you get that lab while you, when were, you were bleeding or when you were not yeah. bleeding? Yeah. And if you weren't bleeding, then when you are bleeding, you probably are really low. Yeah. 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 So just being able to, and then two, you know, what I find so interesting is the timing of when patients get their labs drawn. Like I always want my patients first thing in the morning for mm-hmm. pretty much all the labs, you know, but I like, I, I always say first thing in the morning so that then when I do retesting, we're comparing 
apples to apples as much as humanly possible on these labs. Totally agreed. I think there are certain situations without going too clinical here where I will have patients get morning labs and then I'll also have them get afternoon labs. Like if patients think they need more thyroid medication in the afternoon, I'm like, okay, let's do your labs in the morning and let's also do them at 3 p.m. and let's see how your hormones have tanked by that time. So there, there are certain times where it is valuable to get afternoon labs, but for the most part, yes, morning is what we recommend for sure. Changing the pace here a little bit. Um, Stephanie, I want you to share with us kind of about your faith walk. I've witnessed so many great people in your life over the years from uh, your wedding shower to your baby shower and just some really incredible prayerful uh, people in your life, very spiritual. Everything that you do is because of the blessings God's given you from what you're able to learn and what you're able to share. But do you mind sharing with me in your own words about your faith? Again, I just, I'm blessed to have been raised in a Christian family. I always grew up going to Christian school. So I accepted Jesus as my savior really early. And then again and again, because at church, you're always like accepting Christ into your heart. But I thank you for just bringing this up because again, it's, it's a good reminder of all of the people that I have had in my life, especially my parents praying for me from the beginning. I mean, just for my success, for me to find what my passion is and to be able to help people through it. And even with William, I mean, we went through a huge infertility struggle there and we had so many prayer warriors. I mean, just praying for us. And, and then my birth story, which maybe we'll get to, I almost died. It was bad. And again, it had all these prayer warriors. So I've just been so fortunate. Like, it's like, I've almost not ever known what it's like to not have that. I mean, and so for me, even saying it out loud, it makes me be like, geez, I really need to appreciate this because I've always been so grateful to have had Christian parents who believe in the power of prayer, who have really supported me. And I've always been involved in our you know, church community, went to Christian schools until, until high school. I just have been very fortunate in that regard. Well, do you think even to just the humbling reality that sometimes like giving all the knowledge that you know, sometimes, you know, as a healthcare provider, we can make that a worldly gift, you know, or a worldly focus that having the tools that you have, but then just that ultimate surrender. I know, especially before you guys conceived William, that you were like, all right, you know, here it is, God. And just how great though, that he still provided an answer to a prayer that was great. I also know he's answered some other prayers that you've had maybe as no or no for right now. You've been consistently faithful regardless of how Jesus and God respond to those prayers. Yeah, you're you're right. Coming back to what you first said, like we're tools and we're vessels. And I think we have to give God the credit because sometimes I sometimes I have really hard cases and I'm like wake up in the middle of the night at three AM and I'm just thinking about that patient and God's helping me connect the dots to, oh my gosh, I need to test her for this. Or, oh my gosh, that thing that happened with patient A, I need to do with patient C. Or just feel like, again, I need to be need to be thankful, um, but need to give God the credit because he is the miracle worker. And we can have all the tools in the world, but at the end of the day, he's the, he's the miracle worker. And mm-hmm. I, I've seen that with a lot of my patients. One of your notes here, you kind of talks about, and you've mentioned this too throughout our, our talk today, but just how many God moments that you had shared a story about a stranger coming into yeah. the office. And yeah. do you want to share that? Yeah. So, I mean, we've had so many of these. And again, I need to just write them all down. And I will, because I want to make a video. Like a, I wanted to do a video for our 10th anniversary in practice, but that didn't quite happen. But I will. I'm going to get that made. <laughs> um, I remember one day just being like, you know, because you do, you go through these, any entrepreneur is going to go through these ups and downs where it's like, we're on fire. This is awesome. Right. And then you crash and you're like, this is terrible. I can't do this anymore. And then you're like, <laughs> you go through these emotional ups and downs and financial you know, ups and downs. I remember just there was a time. So again, my husband quit his job. 
So we have no, well, it's not that we didn't have benefits. We are paying a lot out of pocket for a very high deductible plan of benefits. And I didn't have any backup. Like I do have a lot of friends who later in life, they're very financially secure. They quit their job and they go start a business, but they're really not taking on a huge risk like the risk that we had in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. who gets paid first when you have a team? Not you, everybody your team else, gets paid everybody first. else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have student loans, business loans, right? And I remember at that time, just there was a day where Eric and I were legitimately like, we're not going to make payroll, you know, and the week's going by and we're like, okay, Tuesday wasn't so good. Maybe Wednesday, maybe Wednesday will be the day. Uh, Wednesday's not so good. Maybe Thursday, right? And we're like, we're le- legitimately not going to make payroll. And there were a lot of moments where we were close, but this was just, this was years ago, but this, it was bad. And a complete stranger walks in and bought a thousand dollars worth of the Argentine silver, you know, big bottles, just like wiped us out. And Eric and I are looking at each other like, did that just happen? Like I knew it was a big order, but it, and at that moment, a thousand dollars was a lot. You know, it's like he just made payroll plus. You know, like we're 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 going to be okay. Like God had a, us covered that week, and so. But back to again, just trusting that in His timing and in His place. Like I'm not saying we haven't had hard moments. We have had a lot of hard moments, but just trusting that He's going to somehow, some way, we're going to make ends meet. That we're supposed to be doing what we're doing keeps us going. So that is a cool story that I've shared with our staff over the years. I love it. I love it. So I, I love talking about you and your health. And and I joke about this because, you know, you're the queen in this industry, but yet I appreciate how you do share your struggles and like what you've learned along the way. And so I joke that this is a highly vulnerable question, but what have been like your your story as far as what's humbled you the most with regards to your specific health, managing all that you do from, like you said, you'll wake up at two in the morning thinking about a patient. And how do you manage, you know, the stress and your own hormone health and, and relationships along the way? Yeah, well, I think it's no secret at this point that I think infertility was the hardest thing for me because I run a hormone clinic. So I feel like a hypocrite. I feel like a hypocrite when I couldn't. I'm helping women left and right get pregnant, but I cannot get pregnant. I thought, God, how, why are you doing this to me? You know, like you just get angry and resentful, and it's just no secret. I can say this now, looking back, saying that I have. A healthy son, William, right? But in the moment, it was really hard. It was really hard when we celebrate getting these calls that our patients are pregnant, right? Put them on progesterone or whatever. I talk about some of these in my book, but yet here I am with an empty womb, right? I, I was an older mother. I had William at 35. Most of my friends were done having kids by that time when I had William and we're hoping for another. But that was, it was very humbling. And I think sometimes patients thought, like, is she going to have kids? Can she have kids? What's her problem? <laughs> so it's just, it's hard. And it's, infertility is very hard to talk about. And I think that's something that I really do want to more specialize in over the years as the more and more I've learned right through my journey. But obviously, in my book, I talk about my gastrointestinal kind of health as well. Not that I had a lot of lower GI issues, but I had a lot of upper GI issues. I had SIBO and fructose intolerance. And a lot of that gas and pressure was causing palpitations. I had tachycardia also because I was in sympathetic overdrive. And I just didn't realize, I, again, you've been a great, um, I don't know what you call it, someone to kind of set me straight with my need to take time off from work. But there were years where I just, I look back and man, I I pushed it. We had, you know, some family stressors in our life and I, that I'm thinking, I'm going to have to take care of our whole family. I got to push through. I got to build a business and build a house. And, you know, I just, I pushed through really hard and my health paid the price. And I, I do regret that because I think all the stress that I went through in grad school and starting a business. And, you know, I think a lot of that stress led to my tachycardia and some of my infertility and and because it was robbing me of progesterone. And, you know, thankfully I have William, but 
there were there were hard years there. And, you know, I haven't touched gluten since and that's fine. I can live without gluten. <laughs> I got my SIBO for the most part under control, although this uh, food poisoning I got a couple or a month ago flared some things up, but but I have the knowledge to get back to where I need to get back to. So again, just because I have this health clinic and this knowledge doesn't mean my health is where I want it to be 100%. It's been a journey for me too, but I love learning and I love using that knowledge. That's been the coolest part is using, again, everything I learned from my story. I then kind of specialized in SIBO, right? I, mm-hmm. So there yeah. are, I can use my struggles for the better of my patients. So I've learned a lot through what I struggle with, that's for sure. Yeah. Amen to that. Okay. So what are your top three non-negotiables in your household? So for example, what's your thoughts on screen time or electronics, uh, superfood, no activities on Wednesday nights, family dinners, sacred? Where, where are you at on the, the three non-negotiables? I take my vitamins. It might sound silly, but like might be psychological, partly psychological, but I take my vitamins every single day. I have vitamins. If you look at my purse, I probably look like a supplement junkie, but I swear... They work for me and I always have. I've just always been. And same with William. Every morning he's getting his supplements. Eric, you can ask him how often he takes his, although I do see little reminders in his phone, like take your vitamins. So he's getting a lot better. So I think I, I'm really religious about taking vitamins. Um, having a whole house water filter is a non-negotiable. I, I will never go without that. It's hard for me to even shower at hotels because of the chlorine that I smell. Like you go on vacation, we are just on vacation in Florida and like putting William in a bath. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this water smells terrible. That is just something that's really important to me. And then from a, an electronic standpoint, we do shut off our Wi-Fi every single night. I will wake up in the middle of the night. It's like I can sense if it's on. If I, and I'm not sleeping well enough, I will go, I'll go shut it off if we forgot whatnot. So just getting that Wi-Fi off at night, sleep is sacred to me. I, because I've had tachycardia, I cannot have caffeine. I can barely have chocolate, only a little bit of sugar, right? So like, I can't just like Eric can power through with coffee. That is not an option for me, which is probably why I rely on my supplements, you know, so much, but sleep is so sacred to me. And so I go to bed early. I like to try to go to bed by nine. You've got to get sleep before midnight. I have a fan on, I have my sleep mask. It's a cool environment. The Wi-Fi is off, like sleep is sacred to me. And then I would, I would say exercise too. I mean, I'm not the most fit person in the world, but I've always, exercise has always been important to me. And I think it's a stress reducer. So, you know, those might not sound that creative, but those are my, those are my non-negotiables. Yeah, no, I love it. So then then flipping that, what's, what are your guilty pleasures? Like, you know better, but you just can't help it. So full disclosure, I'll, I'll go first. Mine are the peanut butter patty Girl Scout cookies, fruit snacks, and then Cheetos. Cheetos are the absolute like Mm. worst, not real food possible. And I literally cannot help myself. If I see Cheetos, I'm like, yeah, I need to invent some like organic (laughs) non-GMO dairy free. Those those hippies, have you had the cheddar hippies? They're like puffs. They're, they're, now. they're dairy free and they're, yeah, hippies are pea protein. Those are really good. We eat a lot of those at our house. Hippies. Okay. I, this sounds so bad. And I think Eric's like, I don't know how you do this, but like, I was just raised in a family who ate very bland. We ate very healthy, but like very bland, which was even to my detriment when I was having tachycardia because I had like a pot situation going on where I had low blood pressure because I wasn't getting enough salt in my diet, which was also causing tachycardia. So all that to be said, maybe my palate never like developed to the point where I'm this like foodie, but Eric has to season everything. And he, you know, he's a great cook. I'm not like, there aren't anything that I just like, there's nothing that I just super miss, but I will tell you what I enjoy. <laughs> like, so I've always liked chocolate covered berries. That's like a, a treat that I like. Most of them are not organic and they have soy and dairy and all kinds of crap in them. So I try to find them higher quality versions, but I like that. 
I will say I do like fried food. I went so long gluten-free without any fried food that like now there's a restaurant in town where you can get, you know, gluten-free fries and gluten-free fried food. And I go there. So, yeah, you know, (laughs) you're supporting local business. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I used to love dairy. I used to love grilled cheese. I just don't, it's kind of, I've kind of lost that. I don't know, but I, I think if I could get, which I still haven't found gluten-free cheese curds, gluten-free fried pickles. I think it would be, my vice would be fried something, but I think it was because I was so deprived of it for so long. It's like, and then a margarita, you're a sucker for a margarita every now and then. Yes. I love Mexican food and I will have a margarita and Mexican food any day. I love it. If you could eat anything without repercussions, what would it be? So if I, I really can't have gluten, but if I could have gluten, I think I would have like a pretzel with cheese, like those soft pretzels. I haven't had one of those for like 15 years. I think I would have one of those and I think I would go to Starbucks again because I can't have caffeine. So I will go to Starbucks and I will get a pumpkin spice latte or I used to every single morning, I used to get an iced dopio with two shots of something. It was probably caramel. I think I would get something like that. I love pizza, but I, and I can have pizza. You can get gluten-free pizza. But I think I think that's what I would have if, I, if there were no repercussions. And maybe one day I'll, I'll have that. I remember when we did that cabin in the woods and you brought snacks. I'm always like, yes, what is Stephanie bringing for snacks that I need in my life? I see this like cheese wheel and I'm eating like half of this wheel, like stuffing it in my mouth. I'm like, Stephanie, why did you bring this delicious dairy? Like, you know, I know you can't have it. And you're like, that's a vegan cheese. And like my world exploded with like, this is amazing. It was Miyoko's, the chive. It's a vegan. So it's almond based. It's a soft cheese wheel. Because dairy free cheeses are hard to find. But the soft cheeses you could I mean, you could just I could eat the whole thing. It's so good. I feel like you need to have a podcast on like, here's the snacks, here's the foods that we eat that I can't eat just because there's so much out there. And it's like, Ooh, do I want to buy that $10 box of those chips? Like, I don't know if it's going to be really good. I mentioned, yes, you do want to buy those. I mean, I've done a good job of finding snacks. I will say I've done it. Maybe that's why I'm not deprived because I've just sought out what are these snacks that I could still have. And I have fast, convenient and tasty. Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. I'll do that. You may likely have heard me talk about one of my favorite products in several episodes called Adrenal Calm. It contains a unique blend of botanicals and nutrients that support the stress response, particularly promoting cortisol balance. Specifically, Adrenal Calm includes a blend of adaptogenic botanicals and nutrients formulated to counteract the effects of daily stress and support healthy energy levels. It also contains phosphatidylserine and L-theanine, both of which reduce that half-life of cortisol or, in other words, calm adrenaline. I love using this in the afternoon if I've had a stressful workday or before public speaking. It can also be taken on a daily basis as many of us have more daily stress now than ever before. If you're interested in learning more about adaptogenic herbs, read Chapter 6 of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And check out our product guide info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash adrenal hyphen calm. To get 10% off adrenal calm or L-theanine, use code calm at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, girlfriend, if you could write a letter to dear younger Dr. Stephanie Gray, what would you tell her? This is tough because it's like in in regards to what? In regards to, we've talked so much about business. So in regards to business or marriage or my personal life, like, or all of the above, I think I would say to forgive easily because I, you know, I hear this in my patients all the time. I mean, they tell me their story and their life stressors and I'm not saying you have to forget, but I think forgiving is really important. And that's, I've read a lot of books on forgiveness and I, and I wish I would have 10 years ago. From a personal standpoint, I, I would say that I, you know, knowing again, back to me saying, Oh, I wish I knew what I knew now 10 years ago. I think 
I would also tell myself, skip the chemical hair straightener, skip the Bath and Body Works and the Victoria's Secret. All those toxic products. I have really curly hair. Nobody really knows that, that I, that I straighten. And I, I think had I have not, again, used all of those, because I was raised in a really healthy household. I, I don't think what I was eating was contributing to endometriosis. I think it was those toxic personal care products that I, I overused and abused that contributed to infertility. So I would tell myself, skip that. Probably say, wear your hair curly or something. I don't know. I took the ultimate journey class at House of Hope here locally, and I highly recommend it. It's was a big commitment. I put it off for like five years and because it's like four hours a week for 12 weeks. It was a big commitment I did several years ago before William actually. And they take you back to your childhood. And what I realized is that I had kind of skipped out on a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I've had a good life. I, I, I have. I think I was always the one that was responsible. And there's pros in that. That's probably helped to get me to where I am today. But I think I haven't had as much fun as I could have. So I think I would tell myself, to go for more walks and get outside and just have more fun. I, I think I would, I think I would tell myself that to more learn to live in the moment. You know, I have a very happy marriage, but I think I would tell myself to go on uh, more dates with my husband. Uh, one of my, one of our great family friends, been a very loyal patient for years. She told me even just last week, she said, every year you have to get away with your husband. You have to get away with your husband. And Eric's already planning our trip, but we, I wish I would have done that from day one. That's just something that I, I don't want to leave William. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go away, but it is working on that marriage, being in some sort of marriage therapy and having dates and, you know, taking a trip as a married couple annually. I think I would tell myself that. And I would also tell myself to have thick skin because I've, I've developed thick skin as have you running a business. I think. You know, if someone for all of the um, followers we've had, the, the loyal patients, right? There are there are also naysayers, and I think a lot of my patients don't see that aspect of how we have to have thick skin against those who maybe don't support what we're doing. And so i I think I would tell myself it's going to be okay if you have haters that you're doing something right, you're being progressive, you're moving in the right direction. But I didn't hear that early on, and so I wish I think I would tell myself to have that that thick skin and to really not sweat the small stuff. And I would also tell myself that it's not my job to save the world because I think you and I carry this weight. I love being a detective. I love helping patients, you know, get to the root cause of their problem. And 90% of my patients are very compliant, but the 10% that aren't, they're hard to have. And then I want to take on that responsibility, but I can't fix them until they take responsibility, you know, for themselves. So I think I would tell myself, you can't say, you can't save the world. I don't know. I think I would tell myself, get involved in a mastermind um, sooner than I did. And I would, as I learned through this ultimate journey class, like I learned you have to love yourself and you have to forgive yourself. And so I think I would, I don't know, I think I would tell myself it's going to be okay and good job and you can do this. And I don't know, we should probably do this. And the ultimate journey, they actually have you go back and write letters to your childhood, like very early on childhood. But just thinking of this question, I think it would be very therapeutic for, for even the listeners to go back and say, like, what would we tell our, our early, earlier version of ourselves? But also you need to learn to love yourself and, and clap for yourself and be your cheerleader for where you are at currently in your life. Yeah, no, I love it. So, hey, you brought up this mastermind. Can you want to talk about that, what you've done? Yeah, well, I just I've been involved in a couple different groups, but essentially it's healthcare. This is the, the one that I think you're referencing is specific to healthcare entrepreneurs, because, again, like when I started this business, I was alone. And aside from you and a couple other people, like there weren't a lot of others that I could say my practice was so different. It was just so different. Like I felt like I was on an Island. And so I 
it's been great to network with other healthcare entrepreneurs, doctors, chiropractors, acupuncturists, different sort of healers, right from all over the nation, all over the world, actually, seeing how they've the changes they made in their practice and just learning from them because I wasn't going to just quite frankly get that here in Iowa. So that's been very helpful and excellent networking. I mean, if you listen to my podcast, then you know a lot of the guests on there have come through that networking group. So I've learned so much and reflecting back, I wish I would have got involved in a mastermind way earlier than I did, but it's a huge financial commitment. So it's one of those things is like, do I, is, is this going to pay out? Is it going to be worth, you know, what you're investing in? And, and it, it very much did. Yeah. I love it. I think what I witnessed for you from the, what you did with the mastermind, not only did it help your business, but it also helped you expand your own knowledge base and how you care for your patients on the wide variety of topics from yep. mold to even you just had that. Oh, and of course, her name's escaping me, but you talked all about uric acid. And oh, just, Betty Murray, you know, she's in, she's in yes. the mastermind too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And just, you know, how profound one little measurement of uric acid and all the implications in health and what it does, but to get that level of nitty gritty, you know, and how you then you get to bring that back now to every single one of your patients. Absolutely. That's why I love podcasting because I learn from the guests every single time. It's like, this is awesome. Like I'm taking copious notes and like, yeah. Well, and thank you for sharing it, not only with me, but with all of your viewers. I mean, we all gain based on your investment in producing the podcast and getting this this information out there. And that's what's really exciting too, I think about functional medicine and how people find you is that they're so curious about what they can do and educating themselves. You know, 10 years ago, this information wasn't on the on the internet and wasn't on the oh. podcast. And now... No, it's I so was great. a witch doctor back then, but now it's like, oh, she's doing the cool thing. She's doing, you know, it's yeah, been a it turns out you've been yeah. right this entire time. <laughs> and I think, you know, too, it's because of pioneers like you, though, willing to be the oddball out that it does create a space for others to do it now because we look up to you on what you've done and what you've created. And chiropractic, um, I love chiropractic, as we've talked about before. The great thing about chiropractic, I use this quote a lot. The great thing about chiropractic, there's over 200 techniques and philosophies out there. The bad thing about chiropractic, there's over 200 techniques and philosophies out there. So even in our clinic with four different providers, we have some overlap and similarities, but then there's some things that we do very different. When a patient walks in with low back pain, Dr. Nate's going to treat it from one approach and I might treat it from a different approach, which is, which is great. But in Iowa, since chiropractic started in Iowa, you know, Cedar Rapids alone, I think there's like 150 of us chiropractors, maybe more and growing. And so scarcity mindset, as far as like, oh, is that chiropractor competition? Like in our world, no, it's really great that we have such a diversity in the types, but it can feel lonely because you're the only one. You were the only one for so long. And I know that you welcome space for more providers to practice this way because, you know, it's six to nine months before I can get on as a new patient to be with you. But not for the other providers. You can get on to see them sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear for the listeners. Yeah. 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 But that's what's you know so great about the investment of what you've done and how much you're educating people for them to take ownership of their health and how and easy practices to put them into play. Okay, tell me about running a business, writing a book, hosting a podcast. How do you find time to prioritize yourself and your mental health? It's tough and it's been a challenge. And so I can't, I can't fib and lie here and say, I got this all figured out because I don't, you know, I think balance is hard to achieve. But again, this is kind of why I ended up with tachycardia. I think I was doing too much. And so I literally had to slow down. I literally could not get on the treadmill because my heart rate was so high. So I was forced. I think God was literally screaming at me saying, slow down, right? What I've had to do, and again, I've learned this from you and some books that you've recommended I read is to literally just create the margin. I've had to, excuse my language, but schedule the crap out of my life. Like Eric knows, 
just making these subtle changes when I look back at them thinking, I can't believe, you know, I was so nervous to like on Monday, I said, I want to come in one hour late on Monday, you know, and the team's like, what? And Eric's like, what? Because that's two fewer patients or whatever. No, if I can come out one hour late on Monday, I can work out in the morning and take William to school. You know, like there are just a couple things I have to just schedule, which thankfully having my bit, my own business, I can do that, but I've had to schedule margin into my life. And so Eric knows I'm going to exercise Monday morning, Wednesday morning, and then Saturday, like I'm going for a long run or whatever. Like he knows how I've had to schedule my life out. And, but it took me, I don't know why, but it was so hard for me to do that. And I had to also hear it from someone else, not my husband, right? But hear it from someone else like that most people who run their own business don't see patients five days a week. Like it's okay to take, because when I started, I would take one day off a month as an admin day, but I was doing payroll. I was doing everything at that point, right? And so for me actually hearing from someone else, it's okay to take a day off from seeing patients because you have to manage the business operation. Because when are you going to manage the business operation? And when are you going to do stay progressive and do continuing education? And when are you going to even do things like help with staff culture and plan team meetings? And, you know, when are you going to do those things? You know, I'd schedule the day. Wednesdays are my admin days. Those are my admin days. And granted, half of a day is podcasting now. So I get my other half day for admin. And I'm bombarded with questions from all the other team and right, but I'm away from patient care. So it allows me that mental margin time. And I'll tell you, my goal is to have Fridays off work. I'm not there yet, but my goal is to actually have a day away from the office. And so I think for me, it just involved really setting my boundaries with my time to have margin to exercise, knowing you just kind of scheduling our day. We're going to go to bed by nine o'clock, whatnot. I think that's been hugely helpful. Just scheduling. Why sometimes it seems so simple, but so hard to implement, right? Um, okay, as a mom of a toddler, I'd love to hear your suggestions that other busy moms could use to make health and wellness on a time and budget priority. So Eric um, is shocked at what I let William eat. Like sometimes he's the one who has William eat healthier than I. Like I never thought I would be that mom that's just like, yes, you can have a cookie. But I, I sometimes in that mom. But what I will say is that you know, when we started, well, when I had William, when we started having children, we had William that first year, he was for the most part gluten dairy free. And we introduced a lot of, you know, foods and we were doing a great job. The first year was a whirlwind because I had four, I had a four week maternity leave. So I was back at work full time and it was just absolutely nuts. I remember by his first birthday, I had a fruit cake that I had made. It wasn't cake. It was like literally made out of fruit. And then Eric's mom, his grandma had brought a little, what do you call it? Not a pound cake, a smash cake. I didn't even heard of a smash cake. I didn't even know what these things were. And which was cute. She she did that out of the kindness of her heart. But I'm like, he hasn't had sugar yet. He doesn't need sugar. Why are we giving him a cake? And he sure enough touched it. He didn't want it. You know, he didn't want the sugar. He wanted the fruit, which I was like, thank God for. I would definitely advise to not introduce sugar for sure, because once you do, then you're you're screwed. No, I'm just kidding. I will say my tips for moms who want to keep their kids healthy, because generally speaking, William hasn't been sick in four years, other than he did have croup, got it from school last week, and he's over it now. But highly recommend you feed your kids real food. Like some of the things that school or family, right, um, members have given him. If you read the labels, I'm like, I'm, you, I'm not putting that in my child's mouth. The artificial dye is artificial crap. He's going to be hyper. He turns into a little maniac. I can see it, you know, immediately. So I just, my advice would be feed your kids real food. And I'm going to go back to supplements. And I, I say this on the podcast, you cannot out supplement a poor diet. You have to feed your kids real food. But I do think supplements are... You're going to pay for them up front, but they're going to save you money on the back end. Even go back to the families who I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like we had neighbors who had great insurance and every time they're sick, you know, they're going to the doctor and getting antibiotics. Well, you know, I look at a lot of those families back then 
who were on drugs all the time, but we were jealous that they had a you know low deductible plan. So many hundreds of those families come and see me as patients now because their health is not awesome for various conditions. And I look back at, you know, we're pretty healthy. We didn't really go to the doctor that often, didn't take a lot of drugs. And for the most part, we're in, you know, we're in, we're in pretty good shape. And so I'm trying to kind of emulate that with William. But all that being said, my parents always had us on vitamins. So I am a, I am a huge believer in supplements. So William gets his multivitamin every day, his vitamin D drops every day. He gets immune support when he's sick, the Kid product. He gets his fish oil and his probiotic at night. He gets his supplements and he likes them and they taste good. I think that's going to save you money and it's going to benefit your child's health on the back end. So I guess I would say eat real food, don't introduce sugar, give your kid their supplements and take them to see a chiropractor. William's seen a chiropractor from the very beginning. So I think... Amen to that girl. (laughs) Every time William gets a fever, he's getting adjusted. So those would be my pieces of advice. Well, and I, so I grew up under chiropractic care as well. My parents, we were very fortunate that my parents were in tune to chiropractic as well. And I'll never forget in high school on dance team, I would watch girlfriends, you know, pop Tylenol and ibuprofen. And it was so foreign to me that at first I'd look, I'm like, are you sick? Like you're taking a medication. Like, is everything okay? And, you know, like, and even my husband, he did not grow up under chiropractic care, but that's when we went to the chiro, like, oh, you don't feel good. That's when you come in. You know, your immune system is, is being challenged. Let's support it in a way. But to echo you on on the supplements, you know, when my kids were like Porter, she was, I can't remember at what age we started giving her. We originally had liquid omega-3 fatty acids that we would just give her like in a spoonful. I can't remember when we introduced the like the chewable multivitamin, but she never flinches at the taste. Neither of my kids do. And even with the fish oil, but then like I've witnessed patients, you know, and, and nieces and nephews that, you know, if you're not until like eight or nine or 10 and your palate is used to sugar, some processed foods, um, you know, you kind of almost like wrinkle your nose or when patients go off pop, you know, for two months and then they get a taste of pop, they're like, now I don't like it. Well, it's because they've shifted their palate so much. So even sometimes, you know, parents will say that to me. They're like, oh, they just don't like the taste. I'm like, hey, I don't want it to be a traumatic event or an argument every morning. But just gently encourage it or say, hey, let's just try one today to get them to acquire the taste for it or that they're like, I'm just so used to feeling good that this taste thing is no longer an issue. Start them young. Start them young. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's just been the easiest that we just didn't make a thing. But they're like, yeah, I do it. Similarly, you know, my kids, they've never been vaccinated, but they've had blood draws like a lot. Mm -hmm. And even um, we recorded it for our website, Dr. Hannah poking my kids' finger, but we never made a big deal about it. You know, I always explain like, yeah, it's going to be a poke, but you will be okay. And you can hold your teddy bear. And I've had them do a couple different lab draws because I'm a curious mom and I want the data and, you know, but even just like walking them through that, if I were to take them today, it wouldn't be a big issue to get a lab draw because we've never made it a big issue, but have had the dialogue around it. So sometimes whether it's supplement or a lab draw, it's, it's our own fear. We can project that on our kids if we're not careful. I watched that video and he, yeah, Cooper was a trooper. He was, he was a little stinker though. He's like, ow, like a delayed reaction of like, you're being a psycho, but he's funny. And he loves watching that video now. I wanted to share my excitement today over our newest product that should assist with weight loss. It's called Metabolism Support. It works by increasing GLP-1 and reducing ghrelin, which I'll explain here in a minute. GLP-1 may sound familiar to you because over the past year, our clinic has had excellent success using GLP-1 agonist injections like semaglutide for weight loss. As a reminder, GLP-1 agonists delay the release of food from the stomach, making you feel fuller longer so you eat less and lose weight. 
However, today for those of you who have never taken a GLP-1 agonist or who don't want the injection or cost of the injection, I have another solution. We just launched Metabolism Support. It contains a patented blend of lemon, verbena, and hibiscus called Metabolade and green coffee bean extract. I want to explain to you here how this works and the balance of two hormones in your body. Your adipose cells, aka fat cells, secrete leptin, which is your satiation hormone that tells your body you're full. Leptin and ghrelin have somewhat of an inverse relationship. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone. Makes you want to eat. Think ghrelin, growling for more food. Your body doesn't always want you to lose weight and can fight against you, and I'll explain why. As you lose weight, you have less leptin and GLP-1 telling you that you're full and more ghrelin, that growling hormone that makes you feel hungry. So as you lose weight, many people actually get more hungry, and we need to stop that. And there's a solution. We now can take a supplement that increases GLP-1 and reduces ghrelin to help keep us full and eat less. The green coffee extract also has shown to help reduce body weight and improve metabolism. Trials have shown individuals on this product can lose 6% of their total body fat in eight weeks' time. And if you're losing weight, blood pressure, and cholesterol, all are going down, really reducing cardiovascular risk factors. Of note, this product is 100% caffeine-free. I don't understand how, but it is. This is also excellent when used in combination with berberine, fish oil, and bergamot, all of which also can reduce cardiovascular risk. I also have to emphasize that you will have much better success with any of the GLP-1 boosters when you combine them with lifestyle changes. I also always say there's no pill, potion, or powder that will replace lifestyle changes. You will get better, longer-lasting results when you eat clean, exercise, and reduce stress in combination with taking the supplement. You can take this when on semaglutide if transitioning off of it or... Of course, if also not taking it, this metabolism support supplement should be taken 30 minutes before your largest meal of the day for best results. And also remember, you will be better able to lose weight when you're hydrated. So start your day with large water with electrolytes and start every meal with protein. Use code weight loss for 10% off metabolism support at yourlongevityblueprint.com. And know that we now have an in-body machine at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic. So if you want to see your body fat percentage before starting a supplement or even a GLP-1 agonist injection, we can provide you with this information to track your progress. So what are your top three podcasts that you listen to other than your longevity blueprint? I am that person who always has like 10 podcasts open and 10 books open. I mean, I'm like, I'm that person. But so I will say I like a lot of my guests on my podcast podcasts. So I've been listening a lot to um, Natalie and Nidham's biohacking superhuman performance podcast. There's a lot of good information there. I've always loved Brian Buffini. I know he's more of a real estate podcast, but he now he changed from the Brian Buffini show. I think it's called The Good Life podcast. Um, Entree Leadership. I love that podcast because obviously I'm an entrepreneur like you. And then I do listen to the McCullough Report, a lot of Peter McCullough stuff. Huberman Lab is like near daily. His podcasts are so long too. I'm like, how does he do this? His podcast. I mean, we're going long today, but normally my podcasts aren't this long. And yeah, he just has so much beneficial information. Sometimes Peter Atia, I think it's The Drive I'll listen to. And then from a motherhood standpoint, I really like Risen Motherhood and then the Mama Bear podcast, which you introduced me to, you know, from the book. I, I'm always listening to a, a lot, a lot of stuff. That mama bear is just so timely with everything going on in the world. I really like that as well. Um, what are you currently reading? In fact, I can't even remember them. I was, as I got in my car this morning, I'm like, oh, well, there's one of the books I'm reading. It's called Clockwork. It's Mike Michaelovitz. I can never say his name, but kind of trying to get your business to operate without you in essence, right? Which my business cannot at this point, but reading that, 
And then on spring break, I read, I like a lot of Christian authors. So Lisa Turkhurst, her, one of her books is It's Not Supposed to Be That This Way. Because there are just some things in my life that aren't going exactly as I, I would like them to go right now, right? And so... It's not your plan? Are you kidding me? <laughs> God's plan. God's uh, plan. She's, Darn it. What really stood out to me in that book, though, she said, you know, a lot of Christians say, oh, well, God never gives you more than you can handle. And she's like, that's a lie. That's not in the Bible. That's not how life goes. And I was like, man, yeah. So she says God doesn't want us to handle our problems. She wants us to hand our problems over to him. And I just thought that's so good. And so, yeah, when it rains, it pours. You know, sometimes life isn't going, like I said, as planned, but maybe God's leading us in a different direction. He's closing one door to open another that we can't see because we're this little peon, right? He's seeing the larger, you know, bigger picture. But she talks a lot about him using dust to create something new, better than we had imagined, and just trusting God with our situations and circumstances. And no, and not being mad at God that he's withholding something from us. But she says several times in the book, she says, he loves us too much to answer our prayers any other way than the right way. And the right way is his way, not our way. So that's a good book. She has a lot of good, good books. And then I'm also reading Hannah's Hope, which is another Christian book, just seeking God's heart in the midst of miscarriage and infertility and adoption loss. And that's a really good book. And honestly, I'm working to read the Bible more. Sometimes it's hard because I like stories. You know, the Bible does have stories, but working on that too. Love it. I love it. Well, kind of speaking of things that you're working on, you've got books, podcasts, all of that, but what's on your radar for the next um, few years? Oh gosh. Okay. So it's hard to say this out loud because then you're like, well, if it, what if it doesn't happen? But who cares if it doesn't happen? Here's where I'm at yeah. at, you know, at this Amen. point. So I wanted to get the second edition of the Your Longevity Blueprint book out by the 10 year, well, by the five year anniversary of the book, which is last December. That didn't happen, but that's going to happen soon. So I'm going to get that done. It's been five years already. Yeah. That, how did that happen? I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel and like then, you just published it. And then I am working on a second book on natural hormone replacement therapy because that's really my niche. So that's going to be my next book. I do want to work on, which I'm not working on, I'm working on a PMS perimenopause mastery course. And I really want to host a summit. So in the next five years, I want to host a summit. And then I want to get ILAD certified, which is International Lyme and Associated Disease Society certification and do Dr. Bredenson certification, the recode like to prevent Alzheimer's. I want to work on that. But from a practice standpoint, I want to get another full-time nurse practitioner and I want to take Fridays off, quite frankly. I just want to have time to go get a massage and like take my son to the park and just have more time off. So that's that's what I'm doing. But I am going to take a break this summer, even from the podcast for listeners, which I will announce that. I'm just, I just need some downtime. We pushed hard for three years with this podcast. So we're going to take a break. Yes. When I think of like, where am I going to be in four to five years? I might kind of be in the same place ultimately, you know, not a lot, not a lot different, but I think. What also is driving me, and this is partly from what kind of what Pia, Peter Tia says on his podcast, but with his patients, he more or less says, how long do you want to live? You know, and how are we going to get you there? So don't get me wrong. I've always had three to five year goals. And so have you. And we need to have those. We need to have quarterly goals. We need to have daily goals, right? But now more what's driving me is where do I want to be when I'm 85? Like, where do I want to be when I'm retired? Where do I want my health to be? So what do I need to be doing in those three to five years in those, you know, with those daily habits to get me to where I want my health to be when I am retired and when I'm at 85, right? I had William later in life. I want to be alive to see grandchildren. And enjoy and truly enjoy. Yep. And I want my patients to be thinking about that too, because, you know, that's just going to make, if we can, if we can age with better health, that's going to make all of those experiences even more richer. And so while, yes, I want to think about the next three to five years, I also want to think about where do I want to be when I'm 85? And I really think that's why I wrote part of the Your Longevity Blueprint book is like, hey, we should be following all these steps. 
Some of my patients follow a lot of them, but rarely do my patients follow that whole longevity blueprint, right? There are a lot of steps in that. And I think if we can implement more of that, then we should be where we do want to be when we're 85. Well, and I think too, so much like, and if this is because of you, I'll never forget when you were saying, Hey, you got to come to this anti-aging conference with me. And when I first heard that, I'm like, anti-aging, that is so aesthetic. I'm a chiropractor. I don't deal with aesthetics, but really anti-aging is so much more about aging gracefully with dignity and pure enjoyment of high quality. So I appreciate that information that you not only shared with me, but just how you're multiplying it from writing books to podcasts. But also what I appreciate um, you is that you're just humbly walking the talk of what you like, everything that you preach, that you publish, that you put out there, you don't just put it out there and then not live it in your own life, which has been great to, to witness and, and stuff. But you also acknowledge areas that need improvement, you know, that you're working hard to slow down, you're working hard, that you're putting too much on your plate. So you acknowledge them, but how it's not just an easy to snap the, the finger just to make that make that happen. But and, you know, also that it's like you give all the glory to God. So that's, again, amazing to witness. And thank you again for sharing. So what is one of the last questions here, your top longevity tip? It's so tough because, you know, I've heard, you know, 150 probably people give me their top longevity tip. And my instinct is to say sleep because, again, I'm I need to sleep. Sleep's my baby. I have to get good sleep. But I think what I want to tell the audience is that they have permission to take care of themselves. And I'm preaching to myself here, too. But I see so many women who take care of their husbands, their parents, their children. They've sacrificed their health. And I've even done this to a certain extent. And so I think my top longevity tip is simply just to take care of yourself. Be careful with what you read, what you watch, what you're putting in your mind, and what food, what water, what air, everything, your thoughts, everything that you're putting in your body, because you've only been given one, but you have permission to put it first. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for letting me interview you, for allowing me to help put you on display and the wonderfulness of what you bring to this world. But seeing your inner workings, your thoughts, um, I appreciate this. I know your followers probably appreciate this as well and your patience. So thank you for joining today and letting us flip the script. Yeah, this, this was fun. Thank you for just the idea of doing this. At first, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> but I, you had great questions. And I want to say thank you for introducing yourself to me. It was over 10 years ago at Elmcrest Country Club. I was speaking with Joe Collins and you came right up. And I think you just knew we have to be friends. Like, I think you just knew we, we're we on the same wavelength here. Let's let's meet because we're, you know, there aren't many people. Hi, like I'm going to be in your life for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, this is just going to be a thing. <laughs> but thank you for writing the forward yeah. to my book and for helping with the book launch. And today's podcast and for your continuous referrals and collaboration. I think some of my best friends are female entrepreneurs because they have felt the pain and the successes. And I can just call you up and ask you any question on anything. And you're pretty much an open book, willing to listen and help. And so again, thank you for your referrals and for being our cheerleader. I know a saying in my mastermind is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so thank you for lifting us up and being an excellent resource in the community. I already mentioned this in the interview, but when I first started this practice, I really felt like I was... I felt like I was one of the only people in the state not to toot my horn, but I, I was. And and I'm not saying that again to toot my horn to say that I felt scared, like that I was on an island, but I felt that this was on I was supposed to be on, right? Anyways, but meeting you was great because then I had this buddy that was like going to come on this island with me. So I'm going to come vacay with you. <laughs> Um, on your so, island. <laughs> yeah. So yes, yeah, so that was great. And now there are many more similar functional medicine practices in town. And like you said, we don't see them as competition. We see this as, yay, finally, like we're bringing this to the masses. People are wanting never, I think never else in time have 
has so many people needed functional medicine. And so, yay, yay for there being more clinics and for me not being the weirdo anymore. We're all about them. And I, I'm just super excited that we get to be on the cusp of such exciting progressive root cause medicine. And I also want to say just thank you. I guess I get a moment to thank all my listeners here and our patients for sending us word of mouth referrals and for reading the book and for listening to our podcast. I mean, I have patients who I've seen for over 10 years, you know, and I just, that's incredible. Their loyalty and they're just sending us their friends. And so I'm speaking to all you, you guys, ladies and men, but you guys deserve all the credit for seeking out this type of care, even then, even 10 years ago. And I, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be able to do this or have this practice with all of you guys. And so you've shaped the way I do things. You've sent me, you know, podcast guests and different labs and ideas have helped me network. I, I say I, but our clinic, I should say we as a clinic have grown tremendously because of how you, CJ, and you know, our audience, our patient have helped us. You all know that I take this opportunity to have this clinic as a blessing and I very seriously as a privilege and a responsibility. So I just want to wrap this up saying again, thank you, CJ, and thank you to all of our patients for really entrusting us, our team, with your care. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. Thanks for tuning in to the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast these past three years for three nonstop seasons. I sincerely appreciate you sharing this content across the globe. For the next at least few months, I'm going to be taking a much needed break from launching new episodes between seasons three and four. So over the next month, we'll be replaying our top episodes from season three. And I encourage you, please take this time to go back and listen to episodes you missed or re-listen to your favorites. And if you've loved the show, please take this time to write me a quick review on Apple Podcasts. That's the biggest thank you I could receive. I'm unsure when season four will be launching, but as always, I'm hoping for an amazing lineup of guests coming on the show, more big names, great stories, and life-changing information. Stay tuned. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.